Welcome to Tabernacle of Praise, Church of God in Christ, where we believe in encouraging, empowering, and equipping people to live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us now as we enter into our worship experience. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you and your life. I wish I didn't have to preach. I want to praise God. <laughs> we make a big deal over this because this is a big deal. You might say it looks crazy. It takes too long. They shouldn't go through all of that. Hallelujah. But when I consider, hallelujah, where I was in sin and what Jesus had to do to get me here, it's time to make a big deal. Somebody say it's time to make a big deal out of this. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. We honor the Lord on today. God is such a good God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Yes, Lord. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 
is hit memory recall. And just think about how good God has been to you. How far God has brought you. How much God has blessed you. How many times he's healed you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And you'd find a way to praise God too. Hallelujah. Jesus. I realize that we have another obligation that we want to make sure that we meet. But we certainly want to celebrate our Savior and our Lord. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Gracious Father, we come with thanksgiving on today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we stand as being the beneficiaries and the recipients. God, of the grace of God, the sacrifice, the love that was demonstrated. It took a lot of love to go what you had, what you had to go through in order, oh God, to purchase our salvation. You said in your word that you became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. And so we pray now, Lord God, God, that you would speak through us, use us, oh God, as an oracle to communicate not only celebration, but cause somebody to realize, God, that the blood that was shed over 2,000 years ago, hallelujah, the power of it still is alive and great, even on today. God, to save and to set free, to make whole, to deliver in the name of Jesus. And so you, we ask, Lord, that you would have your way today in the name of Jesus. God, that you would throw your weight around you said in your word, O oh God, in Matthew 28, all power is given unto me in the heaven and the earth. Hallelujah. You're a powerful God. You paid the price. And we're here to celebrate you on today. And so we ask, God, that you would, by your power, by your love, by your grace, God, communicate your feelings to the people that you love so that they know, God, hallelujah, that you love them with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. And have gone through great, great, great length. Hallelujah. To purchase us back to yourselves that we might become the bride of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Amen. And amen. While you're standing, I want to go to Matthew chapter 27, beginning at the 62nd verse. I know that there customarily that that we would engage and go into Matthew chapter 28 and spend an awful lot of time talking about what so many of us are familiar with already. But I want to take a little bit different spin on it and hopefully I ask that you would pray for me that the application of today would be made manifest so that we leave here with something substantive. If you have Matthew 27, verse 62, say amen. Now, the next day that followed after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, that after three days I will rise again. Command thee, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch, go your way. Make it as sure as you can. 
So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, the doing, the believing of his word. From the 66th verse, I'd like to take a thought where they said, so they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Would you just turn to somebody before you sit down and just tell them the stone will be rolled away. You may be seated. The stone will be rolled away. Before we get to this actual passage of scripture, Jesus, in some previous scripture, as they're engaged in uh, what we more are familiar with as the Last Supper, began to speak to the disciples with respect to his crucifixion and what would befall him. And he spoke of two enemies that he would have to overcome in order to be victorious. One of them hit him on Thursday. And I talked about this a little bit before. I'll just take a moment or two. I know I'm limited on time, but just so that we can even get the song straight. You know, stay there Friday night. Stay there Saturday night. That's only two days. What actually took place is it should be stayed there Thursday night and stayed there Friday night and stayed there Saturday night because the prophecy says that as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so shall the Lord be. And then even on last week, I, I explained just in brief that according to scripture, the reason that we have Palm Sunday is because that's the day before he is crucified. And we use the reference that was back in Exodus, I believe chapter 12, where the Bible said, because that was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, that on the 10th day, you would prepare a lamb unspotted, less than a year old, no blemishes, had to be perfect. But on the 14th day, you would, you'd kill him. Okay? And they were talking about Jesus, that he rode into Jerusalem on the 10th day. Hallelujah. He was crucified four days later, which would be Thursday in the afternoon, in the evening. I believe the word of the Lord declared that he gave up the ghost about the the third hour, which would be, or the ninth hour rather, which would be three o'clock, six o'clock in the evening. Okay? So that three days later on, early on Sunday, as it dawned toward the first day of the week, hallelujah, he told the disciples that I've got to overcome death. And that death had attacked him. And he says, the other thing that I've got to overcome is the grave. It's one thing for me to overcome death, but I also have to overcome the grave. So on that fateful Sunday morning when Jesus got up in the tomb, Hallelujah. He looks back at the place where he was lying and said to death, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? That some way or another, the, we kind of put these two things together, but they are quite distinct. And I'll get into that in a moment. They're, dis, they're distinct issues from each other because he had to deal with both of them. On the one hand, he began uh, uh, to, to minister to them and, and begin to even show us that as we read the scriptures and so forth, that death attacked Jesus Christ swiftly. 
and he understanding what was at stake submitted to death. The Bible says he gave heed. He submitted himself to death, even death on the cross. He became obedient to it to the point to where he died more rapidly than the other two thieves that we read about that were crucified with him. The other two restricted or resisted death. They struggled with it. They tried to stay alive as long as they possibly could. But Jesus knew that death had its purpose in redeeming us back from the curse of a broken law. And so he submitted to it and became obedient to it. He was the first one of the three to actually die. They did not have to break his legs in order for uh, 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 them to support themselves to keep from suffocating. When they came to Jesus, they realized that he was already dead. Glory to God. He fulfilled the scripture that would be spoken in John 19, 36, where there was no bones broken in his body. So when the soldier came to Jesus and stuck a spear in his side and out came blood and water, it confirmed that Jesus was dead. And I praise God. I want to take a moment and just praise God. Hallelujah. For the soldier that, that stuck a spear in his side. Because when he did that, hallelujah, he created an avenue by which you and I might be engrafted into the place, glory to God, of, 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 of being an heir of salvation. Because there's no grafting unless there's a cut made. And because of the piercing, we the church have now been grafted into the body of Christ. And so Christ became obedient to death, even the death on a cross. And when they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's borrowed tomb, they were thinking somebody was. Because somebody said it was a borrowed tomb. And so the thought process, if I'm going to borrow it, I'm going to give it back. I don't need it long term. And so, so seeing Jesus dead and being put into the tomb, into the grave, it satisfied the disciples. But the religious folk, the Pharisees, the enemies of God that wanted to destroy him even after he was dead, they wanted to make sure that he didn't get up again. See, you've got to understand that, that the greater power that you have, the greater the artillery that the enemy comes at you with. And many of you, whether you understand or not, have great potential. And the enemy realizes that you have great potential. And so what the enemy does is he comes with an onslaught of trial and tribulation and trouble to keep you from understanding your purpose in Jesus Christ. And because of the fear that the enemy had of Jesus, they dispatched special agents to employ special securities to ensure that once they had Jesus down, that they would keep him down. So once that he was in the grave, the Bible said they put a big huge stone in front of the grave to keep him there. Now, what the stone represents, at least in my mind, is what, in, what the enemy does in many cases as we bring application to this story of what the enemy puts in front of you and from in front of me. That is to say that, there, that, that the enemy is always trying to put restrictions on us. Hallelujah. The intent there is to keep you in a box. The intent is to not allow you to go any further. You can operate in this space, but you can't go any farther. And so what the Bible says here in verse 63 and 64 is the, 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 the Pharisees said to Pilate, uh, Sir, remember that that deceiver. They didn't even give him his name. That deceiver, while he was yet alive, said that after three days, I'm going to rise again. 
Therefore, we would that you would command that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest the disciples come by night and steal him away, saying unto the people that he is risen from the dead. And then the, the last error would be greater than the first error. And, 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 and Pilate wouldn't even buy into it. He said, I've done all I'm going to do. You're not going to implicate me any further than I've already been implicated. He said, you have your watch. Go do the best that you can. And so what they have, what in my mind, I'm, 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 I'm amazed because Jesus is dead. And they are still afraid of a dead man. Death has taken hold of him and yet security is beefed up. They are worried that he is going to be greater in death than he was in life. Would you touch somebody and tell them that's powerful? But that's true. Because when Jesus was alive, the devil only had one enemy to fight. But because now the enemy got to fight all of this group and other groups like you. Hallelujah, because, you know, for the most part, none of us are intimidated by a dead man, right? But Jesus had spoken so much in his life until in death they thought that there would be a movement that was going to progress and continue to flow. So they placed guards around the sepulcher. They had watches so that nobody would get too sleepy. They had several watches during the night. And there is a twofold dilemma here because all of the time the Pharisees spoke of somebody, namely the disciples, coming in to get Jesus out. They spoke of people being able on the outside to get in. But perhaps down in their hearts, they really were afraid of Jesus being able to get out. And so, Pilate tells them, lock him up as tight as you can. And all of this is relative, listen, all of this is relative to the grave and not to death. There was an attempt to make sure that Jesus would be disconnected from his ministry. And one historian spoke of the seal that once they had put the stone in front of the tomb, they sealed it around and they took the stamp of the governor and stamped it so that anybody that would come and try to remove the stone, they would see the seal and say, oh no, we're not going there. And one of the things that you must know in your life, in your ministry, in your walk with God, is that the enemy recognizes the potential that God has placed on your life. You may not have realized it yet. You may not have even given your life to God yet. You may not have committed yourself totally to ministry yet. But if he, got, if he knows that God has his mark on you, if the enemy knows, uh, hallelujah, that God is in the process of delivering you out of what has held you captive, if the enemy knows that you're on the verge, is anybody here on the verge of getting it together? He is going, he understands you're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And so he strengthens the watch to make sure that you never get beyond the place where you are right now. Notice your life. In your life that the more mature that you become in the Lord, the more you grow in God, the greater the attack of the enemy on your life. Now, the purpose of the stone is threefold. First of all, the stone is there to try to destroy your faith, 
to create a sense of hopelessness. Whenever anything is bigger than we are, there is always this, this, this possibility of it intimidating us to the point to where we don't want to try. It has the ability to affect our confidence in what God has called us to do or called us to be. If anyone develops a love and affection for God, hallelujah, the stone, the seal around it will be there in an attempt to discourage you. Secondly, that the stone is there to send a message. And it sends the message, there will be no further activity. See, the enemy wants to render you helpless, render you ineffective, uh, render you impotent uh, because he understands that if he can do that, uh, he can destroy your purpose. And sometimes he can't destroy, hallelujah, the faith that you have in God. Uh, he can destroy the fact that God has saved you, but he can uh, affect whether or not you're going to be effective. Just when you decide that you're going to move out in God. The enemy will attack your health because he doesn't want any further activity. You decide that you're going to start witnessing it. You're going to start reaching out to other people. You're going to start offering other folks rides to church or whatever the case may be. All of a sudden your car breaks down because the enemy won't, doesn't want any further activity. You decide, I'm going to give my life to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I am going to go all the way. I am sold out. All of a sudden, you lose your job. Hallelujah. And there's a tendency for you to go into depression because the enemy is hoping that there will be no further activity. He is hoping that you'll just go back and become a recluse, that you'll backslide, that you'll go back into uh, a cave somewhere, shut up yourself and feel sorry for yourself, have pity parties, because uh, he wants no further activity. You see, the Pharisees didn't mind, uh, glory to God, uh, hallelujah, Jesus' followers to worship him where he was. They just didn't want to see any new miracles. See, the enemy doesn't mind us engaging in dead religion. He doesn't mind us worshiping where Jesus used to be. Hallelujah. He's afraid that we're going to fool around and, and, and get into the flow of God, into the nowness of God, into the isness of God, because he doesn't want there to be any further advancement, any further activity. He's trying to shut us down. He doesn't want us to love God more, serve God more. He wants us to do it less. Uh, he wants us to become self-serving rather than, than God-serving. Uh, he doesn't mind us coming to church. He doesn't mind us giving offering. He doesn't mind us getting dressed up on Sunday, especially Resurrection Sunday, Coming out to church, going to dinner afterwards, uh, glory to God, making fun of what we saw happen at church, uh, going home uh, as though we have paid God off because he doesn't want there to be any further activity. And then he tries to cut off all support. When you're going through, isn't it weird that, that the enemy wants you to get off by yourself? He doesn't want you to come to the hospital. He doesn't want you to come and be in the presence of the other saints. He wants you to go solo. He wants to isolate you. He wants, because the enemy is trying to get you set off by yourself. Hallelujah, glory to God. But I'm going to come to let somebody know that when the enemy comes in that way, hallelujah, glory to God, God is still in the midst of all of this. And while the enemy is trying to get you to be discouraged and go back into your own way, God is sending a message to somebody tell them it's time for you to understand that I'm getting ready to set you up for a great blessing because God loves for his children to be put in a predicament where nobody else can help you he loves for you to get into a situation where nobody else can get the credit but him he loves for the enemy to try to put us in a spot where the medicine is not working and the savings account is dried up and the resources stop coming. Glory to God. Because when, when, when man walks out, uh, that's when Jesus walks in. Because God won't intervene where somebody else is trying to steal the glory, trying to get the credit. And so God is saying, I'm getting ready to set somebody up. I am going to roll the stone away in your life. 
And so they ganged up on Jesus. They killed him, put him in a grave, rolled a stone in front of the grave, left him by himself, cut off all help from the outside, or so they thought. They didn't realize that the help that Jesus needed wasn't on the outside. The help that he needed, he already had on the inside. And when you have the Lord on the inside, even when you don't have help and support on the outside, uh, there's something down on the inside of me uh, that enables me to weather any storm, to go through any crisis, uh, hallelujah, to come out on the other side uh, once the stone has been rolled away and give my hands, uh, raise my hands and give God the glory. God wanted me to remind somebody today that, 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 that God says that, the, that, that, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard. God will cause the thing that the enemy has formed against you, hallelujah, to later be a blessing to you. They, they didn't hear that over there. God is saying that the thing that came against you, hallelujah, to break your heart, hallelujah, he's going to use the very same thing to give you great joy. Hallelujah. He didn't say that the weapon would not be formed. He just said that it wouldn't prosper. Go ahead and form it. Go ahead and attack me. There's something down on the inside of me. Hallelujah. That makes me testify like Joseph testified. That the, what you meant for evil, God has turned that thing around and worked it out for my good. So when God moves in, we have a testimony. We have a couple of testimonies. Somebody over here has a testimony. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, the enemy would have swallowed me up quick. Hallelujah. Somebody over here says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, the holy lean. On the name of Jesus. And so somebody needs to know that, that you might be trying to curse me. You might be trying to block me. But God is in the process of blessing me. And the thing that you're going through, hallelujah, God is going to turn it around so that it becomes a, a blessing to you. And you don't have to walk around with your head down. Glory to God, you don't have to be a recluse. You don't have to be like a turtle and go back into a shell. You just, you just need to know that no weapon that's formed against me, hallelujah, is going to prosper. You can't get the miracle. Hallelujah, if you can't stand uh, for the weapon to be formed. Would you just touch somebody and tell them, I know some way, somehow, Jesus is going to work this out for me. The reason I know that he's going to work it out for me is because he had power to work it out for himself. When I was trying to put this together, I was sitting, Elder Brown, thinking. I was thinking about Jesus in the tomb. Lying on a stone wrapped up like a mummy. Uh, all these strips of linen wrapped all around him. So he was in the tomb where dead folk are supposed to be. The place that you put people when you don't expect to see them anymore. And so they sealed the stone 
in front of the tomb because they believed that Jesus was finished. Now, they know he's dead because there were many witnesses that saw them pull his rigor mortis riddled body down off the cross where they had to put force his arms down to his side and his legs together. But the thing that boggled my mind when I was trying to think this through was that lying there on a slab of concrete or stone all wrapped up uh, that even if he does wake up how does he get up? Even if he does whip the sting of death, how does he get past the grave? It's the kind of stuff that make you say, hmm. And then even if some way, somehow, you get to your feet, I don't know if you got to roll off, get on your belly, work yourself to your knees, slide over against the wall. I was just trying to figure it all out. And even if he does that, he still has to conquer the grave. So death, even if you turn me loose, the grave has still got the victory over me because of the stone. And some of you, yes, have already come through death. You've already come through hell and high water. You've already come through this, that, and the other. You have awakened, but you're still a prisoner. You've awakened, but you're still in a bad situation. You've awakened, but there's still some things around you, some circumstances that you'd like to get cleared up. You've awakened, but you're still bound, hallelujah, by the things of your past. You're still discouraged. You're still depressed. You're still broke. You're still lonely. And you're saying, Lord, I'm awake now. Lord, I have come to myself. I wish there were some things that, I, that I've done that I didn't do, but, but I'm awake now. I'm sorry for what I've done, but, but I'm here now. I'm, I'm listening. How do I get beyond the thing that is still holding me? How do I get beyond my circumstance? Even though I've been able to overcome the sting of death, what am I going to do about the grave? But I've come to let you know today. That if God is God enough to, to resurrect you, if God is God enough, hallelujah, to reach down into the recesses of sin and debauchery, glory to God, and bring you out and save you, he's also God enough, hallelujah, to free you from every clutch, from every chain, from everything that has you bound. Somebody shout yes if you know that about the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I need to let somebody know, hallelujah, that you can praise God because there is victory before the victory. Because what God does, it's a two-pronged process. Like he had to do the children of Israel, he had to work on two fronts there. He first had to get deliver them out of Israel, out of Egypt, and then he had to deliver Egypt out of them. They didn't catch that on that side. But I'm going to say it to you again because y'all keep missing it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sometimes God has to get the thing out of you after he gets you out of the thing. And the only difference between then and now is that you're awake. And it's good to be awake. I'm not out, but I'm awake. 
The stone is still in my way, but I'm awake. Hallelujah. I've got trouble in my way. I had to cry sometime, but I'm still awake. And so the only thing that I have, and I'm trying to get out of your way, is look at Jesus. Because unlike Lazarus, Jesus has nobody to lose him. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, after he told Lazarus to come forth, Lazarus was still bound in grave clothes. And one thing that that whole incident said to me is that Lazarus was probably in a prone position like Jesus was. But when the word of God comes in at you, hallelujah, it enables you to do stuff that you're not able to do on your own. So when God said to Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus said, guys, I got to go. The master is calling me. He came to the front of the tomb all wrapped up and they told him to loose him. And let him go. But here, Jesus has nobody to lose him. And so I had to keep thinking, mother. And what, what I was reminded of is what he said to the disciples in the next chapter. That after he had arisen from the dead... All the pre-existing glory came back. All of the anointing came back. All of, uh, hallelujah, the omnipresence uh, and the omniscience uh, and the om omnipower, the omnipotence came back to Jesus. So he had the ability to lose himself. He said, since I don't have anybody to help me, I just help myself. And sometimes you may not have the support that you need. Glory to God. But if you've got the power of God down on the inside of you, sometimes you just have to be able to lay hands on your own self. Sometimes you have to pray for your own self. Sometimes you just have to speak life, hallelujah, into your own self. You may not have anybody to encourage you, so you have to encourage yourself. You may not have somebody to help you to get through a breakthrough, so you just have to pray for a breakthrough for yourself. Now, I'm going to stop somewhere, but I want to say this because since I was thinking, I was thinking, and I was thinking that when Jesus got ready to leave, if it had been me, probably if it had been you too, uh, I would have been like a bird escaping the snare of the fowler. I've been just trying to get out of there. Little Brown, if I had to get out naked, I would just want to get out. But Jesus has the nerve enough. I'm glad you guys let me just teach and I don't have to do it. He has the nerve enough to be neat. See, y'all missed that, didn't you? You didn't read that part. But I read that part where he had the nerve enough to be neat. First of all, he had the ability to speak himself a new wardrobe. And then he just didn't rush out of the tomb. He went back and folded up all the clothes. So when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary showed up and looked inside there, they said, man, he must have had maid service up in here. But lastly, we read where there is an angel. Well, first of all, there's an earthquake. And the earthquake rattles the stone. And an angel of the Lord comes and rolls the stone out of the way and sits on it. And some of you are thinking that Jesus needed that in order to get out. 
He didn't need that to get out. He was already out. They need to do that so people could look in. And say, he's not here. But he is risen as he says. And before I pray, just want to say, I appreciate the whole entire story that, Jesus, that the Bible tells about what happened. And they sang the song. He is risen. He's not here. But he has gone just like he said he would go. And I can imagine when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary show up at the sepulcher and they don't see it, see him, they are distraught. They are thinking, man, oh man, they have stolen him away. The angel says, fear not, he is risen just like he said. And then to put a bow on it, as they're leaving, Jesus appears to them and tells them, I'm risen. Go tell my disciples to go and meet me in Galilee. And there the scripture says, he remained on earth for somewhere between 40 to 50 days, still showing himself alive to many, many people so that the testimony would be that we have seen him with our own eyes and he is risen just like he said. And today I want to let somebody know that the same stone that was rolled away for the Lord Jesus, God is rolling it away in your life. Would you stand? God is strategic in what he does and he doesn't do things just by happenstance. You're not here just because it's Resurrection Sunday. You, like many other people, could have aborted this whole thing and continued to do whatever it is that you do every other Sunday. But God decided that he would, that you would be here so that he could give you an opportunity to enjoy in the glories that he has prepared for you. There are many people that, are think, that think that they're living when in essence all they're doing is existing. That life really is a result of inviting the Lord Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and your personal Savior. And as we engage God, as we seek God's face day to day, he affords us an opportunity to enjoy the many benefits that come along with being saved and committed to the Lord Jesus. One of the things that I remember the most, even in the life of my own spiritual pilgrimage, that the Lord promised that the blessings that he would bless you with would be free. Glory to God. That those blessings would be free of grief. They would be free of sorrow. That you don't have to look over your shoulder once God blesses you. And many of us want to be blessed. Many of us want to be saved. But we don't know how. And the word of the Lord says to us that if we would confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus, Romans 10 and 9, and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so I want to extend to you, wherever you are, whether you be in the audience here or you're watching via one of our media platforms, today is a day that God has invited you to be a part of the body of Christ. He says in his word, the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him 
and he with me. And you're probably here today. Somebody's here today. And you want that kind of experience with the Lord Jesus. I am glad that you're here. I'm so excited to share Jesus with you. So if you would just bow your head and repeat after me. Appreciate it. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent of my ways. Wash me in your blood and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross just for me and that you were buried and God the Father raised you from the dead on the third day. And right now, Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart and I receive you into my heart to be my Lord and my personal Savior. And I thank you now. If you said those words and believed them, would you just put your hands together? The Lord wants you to know that he has come into your heart. Hallelujah. And you need to act on it. I encourage you to get into a good Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. Don't allow this to just be a one-off, but actually get into the ebb and flow of what God wants for your life. He will take you places that you never dreamt possible. I want to take the opportunity to thank each and every one of you for spending the last couple of hours with us. We pray that a song has been sung, a word that has been spoken uh, to encourage you. And we invite you to stick with us. We've got a little festival that we're going to engage in just as soon as we depart from uh, this, this particular building. Go outside. We invite you to stick with us. Get to know us. We want to get to know you. And we just believe that God will continue to merge us together and, and enable us to become one body in Christ. With uplifted hands, Heavenly Father, we honor you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, today. Thank you for your goodness, your loving kindness, all of the mercies, oh God, that you've extended toward us. Thank you, Lord, for this service, for the ability to come into the house of the Lord and give your name glory, honor, and praise. God, to certainly hear a word of hope that would challenge us, oh God, to live the best life possible that you've designed for us. We ask now that you would take us down from this place, but never from your presence. We pray, God, that the Spirit of God would keep us in the, in the will of God, in the ebb and flow, in the center, O oh God, of what you'd have us do and be. We'll be careful to give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening today. If you want to learn more info about our church, visit us on our website at www.topchurchlv.com. We hope this message encouraged you to know you can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us next week for another sermon to uplift your spirit.